All right, welcome to Data Hurls. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. And today we're going to talk about data. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, aren't you? Absolutely. All right, welcome everyone to our first podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Detzel and... Uh, Michael Burke, nice to meet you. Yeah, and uh, you know, we decided to start this podcast around uh, kind of new technologies out there, or how people are using these new technologies and, and things like that. And you know, we're actually doing this podcast now without a name, but we feel like you know, eventually the name will come. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I think that once we get a few of these going, Chris, like it'll just come yeah. right out. We'll know what it is. Yeah. We'll align against it, but for right now, we're nameless. But you know, there's this new technology out there, and I don't know how new it is. It's doing some research on it, but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute called, you know, chat GPT. I think uh, you've heard of that, right, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, it is all the rage right now. I'm sure if every one of you has a LinkedIn account, you probably are getting dozens of posts on this from your friends or people claiming that their articles were not written by chat GPT. So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, before we get, before we Talk about ChatGPT. I want to get a little bit of background of who you are, you know, uh, just so that the audience knows kind of the your background and your story. And I'll give a little bit of mine after that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the data space now for about uh, seven years, especially in the data science space, leading data science teams, um, building culture around data, managing databases and infrastructure. And really excited today to be on this podcast and starting this with Chris, um, you know, I think that what we're going to do really is dive deep into technology and specific areas that we're interested in, ChatGPT being the first one since it's such a big news piece right now. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll get into some of the technicals, but really this is really going to be more of a high level conversation about application and, um, and really kind of like what the future of these applications could do with some of these technologies that are coming in. Yeah, and you, your background is also... Uh machine learning and AI stuff, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, I mean within you're the last- an expert there. Yeah, yeah, I would say I've done a lot now in the AI space, so. You know, uh, so I'm Chris and, um, you know, I've I've worked in kind of the space of uh, community and working in technology in a long, for a long time. I've worked at uh, a data company for a few years. I've worked at a cybersecurity company for a few years. I've worked at, you know, um, uh, Forrester Research for almost nine years back, you know, in the day and, and worked with a lot of technologists and, and things like that. So I think that, you know, for me, you know, I kind of see myself as, you know, a user of technology or a person that can ask halfway decent questions and done some podcasts in the past. But having a partner like Michael Burke that just is doing some fun things and seeing people do, you know, some really cool things with these technologies it's really uh, exciting to me to really um, and, and to really dive in. So I, I'm excited. And so why don't we get started? You know, let, since we're going to talk a little bit about Chat GPT, you know, I, I think most people know what that is. But if not, let, why don't you give us your definition of what you kind of, you know, what have you seen? What is it? You know, how are people using it? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think the big thing, Chat GPT, it, 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 its highest level is a neural network that was trained on the internet, right? Um, and, you know, the reason that I think it's picked up so much traction lately is the accessibility and the user interface for what it 
for how easy it is to get started, to sign up and, and start using it, right? Yeah. And essentially what it does is it has a very natural and intuitive feel to being able to ask a neural network questions and get fairly detailed responses that sound you know, very similar to what somebody might write in the real world, right? And Chris, I don't know if you got to play around with the tool oh, at all yet. A lot, a lot, yeah. Yeah, there's just so much that you can do. And, and the format in which you can ask questions is very variable. Like you can change what you want it to do, how you want it to respond, um, when and why you want it to respond, right? Um, and, you know, it might make sense to later on just walk through a few examples of things yeah. that we've tried out with this to kind of see kind of the application, start to think a little bit more about um, what a technology like this could be used for um if applied in the right ways right and also maybe some of the risks right what does a technology yeah. like this bring with it as concerns and risks that are going to introduce problems as we step into this field right yeah i have so many questions around that i, I think that one is um as i i i've used it a little bit and played with it and got really excited about some of that stuff i was doing some work stuff and doing this event and i was like you know my boss was like we need to get the essence of this event and what we call it. And I'm like, you know, I'm not a essence kind of guy, you know, and kind of not the kind of person that kind of can tie some of that stuff in there. And I, I tapped into chat GPT. I said, you know, what's a good theme around, uh, you know, with these terms in it, with master data management, um, you know, uh, innovation, future forward looking thinking, you know, all these things. And then it came up with like, you could do 10 if you want. I just said five themes and it came up with five themes. And I was like, it's a genius. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is really cool. It just, so it just kind of, it can write a bunch of content for you. And like you said, it, the look, the feel of it is kind of like it's talking to you. Did you ever, did you ever see uh, that show back in the day? And I'm dating myself, but it's called Knight Rider. Um, oh, yeah. Basically, <laughs> so basically it was this car talking to you as as it was a human you know but as a robot you know in a sense it knew <clears throat> everything and all things around the car or whatever but you know it's kind of like that but it, it's you know it scraped the internet and pretty much knows a lot of different things you know from uh just from asking questions it's pretty crazy yeah yeah, yeah and and it, it's not only um you know one-to-one -one questions that you can ask it right like saying write me something yep. about X, right? You can say, write me something about X in a casual form or mm. compare X and Y and describe it to me, right? And so when you think about, you know, some of the use cases that, that we've been playing around with, for example, right? Um, I actually wrote something and I was, it was a, a little, you know, write up that I was doing. And I said, you know what? This sounds way too formal. I tend to write pretty yeah. formal. I'm like, rewrite this in a more casual tone. And it did it, yeah. right? And yeah. it was trained off of the classification of what is, you know, formal versus casual writing styles, right? And it was able to make that distinction and give me back something that wasn't perfect. Obviously it had issues, but it was definitely, when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I can replace some of these words and, and do things like this to make what I'm writing sound more casual, right? Yeah, a friend of mine or some a colleague, we were talking about it the other day, and he said, I wrote a poem to my daughter, and I said, make a funny poem uh, about, I don't know, whatever it was. And so it made it, and, and he kept kind of 
he did the poem and then he kept kind of you know putting additional things in it you know say well you yeah. know make it sound make it add this and make it sound blah and then boom he came up with this perfect poem for his daughter and uh you know she loved it <laughs> you know, like, yeah it was crazy um you know i was reading an article today on new york times about chat gpt and they were talking about you know how microsoft i guess is investing in this company um the company's not chat gpt it's called open source something I forget open what ai yeah open ai yeah and uh the way it started was and and i'm sure michael you can correct me a little bit but from what I remember, the, the way it started was, you know, they didn't really, this was technology for from 2020, and they didn't want to push this out because they thought it would be boring and it's not new enough and everything else. But then when they put it out, you know, literally millions of people in the first month, you know, just got on it and st- maybe it was more than that, you know, but got on it and started using it. It's, it's kind of an interesting uh, uh it's an interesting way of how technology can just blow up, you know, like social blows up a little bit, but this even blows up even more. And I think it's because like you said, you sign up and then you're in, you can start using it right away, you know? Yeah. And I think it was, they had, I was reading a similar article. I think it was like 5 million users in the first five days or something like that. Oh, it was yeah, beyond, Yeah, you know, I'm probably getting that wrong because that seems too, uh, too common, but you know, their the growth rate was faster than Netflix. It's faster yeah. than Twitter. Like all these tech startups, these big tech yeah. startups took way longer to accumulate that year. many active users. Over a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you just look at, you know, you start thinking about like what can this be applied to outside of of just like answering funny questions or writing poems, right? And you, not to say that that isn't pretty cool, because it definitely <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Um but you know, when you start thinking about language, and not only language, but also mm. image generation, right? Their Dolly model. I don't know if you've seen that, Chris, but you can give it a description, and it will create an image for you, right? Um, and you start thinking about how these things working together can enhance your day-to-day life, right? Uh, and I was reading a really interesting article from a teacher recently who's inspiring his students to use it, mm. and his thought process was, look this type of technology is inevitable, right? Yeah, that's right. And so I might as well have my students start embracing it and finding ways that they can leverage it to better what they're doing yeah. than trying to prevent it and prevent them from using it to like cheat on their test or whatever. You know, I think, and this is an area where I think it's really interesting, right? Like a student who's learning to do something could really leverage from the descriptive analytics and information that a model like this can provide. On the other hand, you know, if they're lazy, they can also plug in, write me a paper on X, Y, and Z. And it's going to be really hard for a teacher to yeah. decipher if that's fraudulent or not, right? If, or if they wrote it. Um, and actually, the idea of fraud, now that we're on it, is like a whole other space of, you know, does a machine that was trained off of information really, are we copywriting, right? Is this plagiarism to use this information that a machine is, being, is producing? And I think that as we kind of step into this new wave of using neural nets more and more for the general public, we're going to see a lot more of these challenges arise, right? Um, yeah, I, I think we'll adapt. I think I think you're right. And but it's just like anything, you know, this is different. This is way different than we've ever seen. And I've never seen anything like it. But 
you know, but we we adapt. We never saw anything like MySpace or then Facebook and all that other stuff back in the day, right? You know, and internet. You know, for me, yeah, internet was new. So all these things that you know that are coming out, it's not surprising. It is spooky, but you know, it's things that people have thought about for a long time, but finally can do it. You know what I mean? And you're starting to see it really happen, and it's pretty cool. Um, I kind of think about this as I even put in. So I. I built online communities like that's what I do at Reltio and I've done that for a long time at other companies. And so I put in questions that people asked about Reltio, like technical questions. And it came up with the answer. I don't know if it was right, but I was like, wow, <laughs> if that's right, then holy shit. What about, you know, plugging that into like a product, like a very complex product like Reltio, for example, um, that's where we work. And Let's say you plug it in somehow, some way, however they do it. And people just come in and ask questions and get your answer right there. Like, you know, and it gives it to you within minutes. Support costs go down. Um, you know, like a lot of things. People get answers quickly. They get what they need. And if it's, especially if it's the right answer, of course. I, I mean, think of that. Like, how do we use that as a company to plug it in? Now, you know. They're going to be, oh my God, the risk, you know, somebody's going to get all this data and all this stuff. And so that's legit. Right. And so, you know, uh, I, I think that we have to think about those risks, but I'm thinking of more of the, holy cow, you know, I can, you know, plug this into Reltio one day and just boom, get the answers perfectly, yeah. you know, quickly. Yeah. I mean, and, and to your point about technical answers, what if that was embedded in a product, right? So we're exactly. talking about master data management, right? Bringing sources together into one centralized golden record. There's a lot of complexities to that, creating rules, configurations, right? Optimizing for scale. Some of these things require a lot of domain expertise. You need to under, know and understand the data in order to match it effectively. If you have a machine like this, they can help advise mm -hmm. how much time savings do you get, right? Um, and I just go back to things like when you think about um, like schooling, right? And learning and, and describing things, you know, sure, it's great to read a textbook and, and go through everything in a linear step-by-step. -step. But what about that, you know, kid who has a question that's going to take a long time to describe? Could they use something like ChatGPT yeah. to learn about a new area of, that's like an extension of what they're learning in school, right? I mean, I know this is always a challenge for a lot of us, right? You know, those who, who enjoyed school was like, hey, but what if we did this? What if I changed this? And all these thoughts that are going through your head, it's really hard to get a lot of answers back unless you have a lot of time with people who have that domain expertise. This is kind of an extension to be able to build and learn yourself, right? Independently. What do you think the market? So you and I were having a conversation about a week ago, and I don't know if you remember it, but basically you're telling me that this is just the beginning. When you look at ChatGPT, the, the billions of dollars that they've spent, like Microsoft has spent a lot of money, but now, you know, Google is like, oh my God, we got to do the same stuff, you know? And so I believe that somehow this is going to change the way technology companies like Google, Microsoft, et cetera, kind of go to market, use, use this kind of stuff within, you know, their products. And I don't know, maybe even sell it to some degree of some, but you told me, you go, Chris, this is just the beginning. We're going to have, like, you said some big words about quantum computing. I don't know what you said, but basically <laughs> it was some things around how much better and bigger this is going to get. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, even ChatGPT 
right? We're on version three. They're releasing four. That's going to be, you know, magnitude bigger mm -hmm. and, and more in-depth and be able to respond to a degree that's significantly better than what we have, right? And people are just wrapping their hands around, well, what can we do with this, right? Yeah. Um, you know, another great example that's been talked about is like programming, right? You can yes. ask ChatGPT to write a program for you and it does a pretty good job, right? It might not be completely optimized to what a senior or principal engineer would be able to produce, but, you know, I've, I've played around with this and asked to write a few programs and, you know, it does, a, if you know what kind of words and like keywords you need to make a really sound product or program, it'll, it'll do a good job at producing an output. And hmm. I think that the same thing can be used for debugging code Right. So when you think about like in the programming space, the application of like having a neural net review your code as a pull request, that's huge. Right. Yeah. Um, and I it will find things that we just miss inherently because we're thinking about something else when we wrote that program. Right. Just um, think attaching this to like some of your code. It's, it sounds spooky, but like you just say, Hey, automatically clean up all the bad code in here, or you know, whatever. Maybe you teach it the right code, or maybe it learns the best practice of the code and starts doing it, you know, itself. Or, you know, for now, it's more about, hey, throw some code in there. What is the problem with this code? And then it tells you what the problem is for the code. Here's the right code. I've seen yeah. it. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, with the, it's not only a, a mechanism for like proofing, right? We have a lot of things, mm -hmm. debuggers and other tools that will find errors, but it's also about like improvements, right? And I think one of the big things as a developer, especially one that's first starting out, is you learn the most simplest, easiest way to write code, right? And that can be something like a for loop, right? But, yeah. you know, as you get better, right? You learn new techniques that enable you to do things faster and more efficiently and more securely, right? And it will be interesting to see as things like ChatGPT evolve, will they be able to really advise on the right way to do something for a specific scenario? And I think that's where we kind of get into this next degree when we said, you know, we're just getting started. Imagine yeah. ChatGPT as a specialist in a specific area. Like how could that differentiate from this kind of generic machine that we've built today, right? I think about things like experts, yeah. yeah, experts advising or being advised by machines. I mean, I think that's really where we're going to be headed in the future, right? Um, it's already possible to do that today with what we have. It's just not there haven't been a lot of those applications built out yet. Um, I mean, little you know, things the, like Chrome extensions are already being built out to attach to like YouTube, for example, yeah. and then it spits out a, not just a transcript, but it just spits out, you know. 10, uh, like I tried it the other day and it's like, just give me a, a, a view of what this is talking about, right? And it gives you like five to 10 points of what they're talking about on that YouTube, uh, you know what I mean? Like, and transcripts, you can get transcripts directly from it. So, you know, before I would have to pay rev.com a hundred bucks for a, an hour long transcript. Now it's like, give me a transcript for this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's crazy man um, yeah tra transcripts translations you yeah. know um there's so much 
I think that, you know, when we think about this too in the future, right, one of the biggest challenges that we with ChatGPT is that it is has the whole knowledge of the internet, which is amazing. Yeah. But one of the the biggest challenges is it doesn't have the context of mm -hmm. you in your situation, right? It's not human, right? So it's not human, but it also like it doesn't know and understand your scenario and why you're asking a specific mm -hmm. question. It doesn't know that, you know, the person in school is an eighth grader trying to evolve from like, you know, geometry to algebra or whatever, mm -hmm. algebra two. Um, I think that that when, when we start giving feedback into a model like this to help understand the context is where you're going to see a real differentiating change in how it responds to questions. Right. Um, quick question on that. Like as yeah. I type something in there, is it learning as I'm kind of putting in there? Like if I say, it feels like it is because I can kind of get a little bit more depth. So what if I was, hey, I'm an eighth grader. I mean, which an eighth grader wouldn't do this, but I'm an eighth grader learning geometry, trying to under, trying to figure out how to get to algebra. Can you help me with, blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? Does it, yeah. it's like, oh, all of a sudden. And I mean, I see that it, sh it saves all your chats if you want, you know, and go back in and start doing some more chats, you know, around that same topic area. You know, is it learning yeah. as, as it goes? Like all these millions of users on there, is it just like, oh my God, I'm, it's learning so much. And then all of a sudden it just becomes, I don't know, you know? I mean, I think so. with any any machine learning model, the ability to have a feedback loop from human, human interaction, which is what we're doing, yeah, is critical and it's baked into the process, right? Because to your point, you can also, and you probably haven't done this yet, but there's a little thumbs up and thumbs down to see if, ChatGPT gave yeah. you a good response or a bad response. All yeah. of that is a feedback loop for it to help correct itself as it's learning and training um, through this process, right? This continuous process of getting better. Now, to your point, I don't think that ChatGPT today is when you put in, uh, you know, I'm a software engineer in a query that it is classifying that and saying, okay, from here on out, uh. I'm gonna I'm gonna have responses that are you know tailored to this type of person. Yeah, But, you know, one of the areas where I think that companies like Google, for example, may have a severe advantage in building out models like this in the future is that they have a lot more of that information already about the general population, right? Yeah. And that's how they're able to distribute and target ads so well, right? But yeah. what if they could use that same kind of background or persona that they've built and use that to help tailor a model like their own version of ChatGPT, right? That's where I think we get into this really interesting space of creating models that have more relatability and more context to what they know about you. What does it take when you think of, and these are just interesting to me, so you know, if they're not, then we can stop it. Basically, what does it take to run something like this, to go and scrape the internet for all this information? And you know, what is it? look in the background how are they you know to us it's like oh my god look at this really cool thing i mean what is but what is it you know what's what's powering this thing yeah so i mean the idea of just collecting information right at the very highest level is it seems like it's complete chaos but there's also all of these strategies that are taken underneath the hood and i'm not an expert in chat gpt so i don't know yeah. all of the details but you know there's this whole thing called blocking right? And, and chunking of information. So how do you categorize it in ways that is meaningful so that a model can learn about it in specific ways, right? 
Um, and when you think about the internet, you're like, well, how the heck does, does that work at scale? Yeah. Right. And that's a whole <laughs> field of, of research on being able to sort and chunk and organize information in a way that it can be fed into a neural network or any machine in a way that's more meaningful. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a lot more there. Right. And this is kind of some of the similar spaces that we're playing in right now in the MDM space. Right. It's like how can you generalize something enough so that you can cut it up into little pieces where, you know, if you were looking at the whole internet, right, or even like a thousand or 10,000 different records of data, yeah. if you had to compare one record to every other record, it would be a massive computational nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. And so this idea of chunking and blocking and organization really says that you can say, okay, well, this piece of information needs to be compared to these five other things in this block. Mm. And so it makes it a much easier problem where it may not be a perfect answer because it hasn't looked at every other response in this set of data, mm. right? But it's much more computationally um, feasible. It's crazy. Now, I think there are some problems that when we talk about neural networks where you unlock a whole nother realm of computational resources that um, we should probably do a whole nother podcast on because I think it's really interesting. Um, but, you know, I think that when we talk about like these blocking and chunking strategies in the future, um, there's a lot more that we can do with how we process and synthesize data um, with uh, quantum computing and neural networks. Um, are there ethical and privacy concerns that exist with something like this models like chat gpt and you know how are how are they addressing the issues if there are do you know so as far as i can tell all they have is kind of a disclaimer saying you know don't use this for commercial use cases and <laughs> if yeah. you're looking for you know the rights to something you need to go talk to the original authors but don't i don't know that. if <laughs> i don't know if you get that yeah i haven't seen it right um but the ability to source, you know, when we think about, you know, we all learned how to write sources for reports yeah. and everything like that growing up, all these different formats and functions. Mm -hmm. How do you source a model yeah. that might have been trained on 15,000 papers about the same information to give you a response that it gave, right? That's going to be, I think, one of the things that's really will evolve out of this is how do we give credit back to the people that are actually feeding the knowledge for a machine like this to generalize? Um, or, or should we, right? You know, in my opinion, we should. We need to, we need to have traceability yeah. and accountability in a model like this. Is it feasible? I don't know. Um, and I think it become, becomes even more complicated with images, right? When you're learning about images and like what does a you know, cat or dog look like, right? And if I write, show me an image of a cat, and it draws this image of a cat, even if it's learned against looking at other images that were classified for that specific animal, you know, is that copywritten or not, right? Or who yeah. owns the rights to that? There's a lot of complexities there that I don't know that we've been able to sort out. It's going to require a lot more thinking and planning as we dig into it. But again, like everything on the internet, we release it first and we deal with the consequences later. Um, yeah, I mean, you have Google and others dealing with consequences several years later now yeah. right like i mean like 20 years later after all this stuff but you know and with the uh, social and and things like that it's it's 
it's quite interesting and it will evolve and you know something like this could just i don't think it's going to but it could just take off like it has and then just kind of burn depends yeah right you know if the government gets involved or whatever and that's possible right like they'll be like oh my god you know stop this now because china's getting you know what i mean like it could could just turn into a a nightmare if they don't figure out security and things like that because i believe like what if i'm chatting there and then it can see things on you know i don't know like i just 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 normal human kind of thing thinking but people still use it you know they don't really care so it'd be interesting for sure um i think that yeah one of the biggest concerns that keep me up at night too is and again not to be the conspiracy theorist or anything right but a model like this if we become dependent on it you think about like mm -hmm. google it started off as this fun little search engine and now yeah. you don't do anything but google right that's right I think the same thing could happen with an emerging neural network like this, where we all just become dependent on it. And the same concerns come up, like when you're creating information that's going to be educating a large population, you know, who's auditing that, right? What are the consequences? What are the opportunities to be able to change that information? And what effect would that have on the general population, right? I think those types of questions are ones that we're still working through from the previous generation of search engines and social media and whatnot and advertisements, right? Um, but even more so when we talk about using this as a learning mechanism, right? It becomes even scarier, right? Because what is real, right? If this, if this machine turns back a you know, recollection of history that's different than what you'd read in a textbook, you know, who's auditing that? I don't think anyone is right now, right? Um, Hopefully so the I think, textbook is published on the yeah somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and this is kind of the same grounds of like Wikipedia, right? Anybody can change and update it, oh, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yet, a lot of people use it as a source of learning, right? And a source of of fact, like they consider what's on there as factual. Um, so I think that there's there's again like a ton here, and you know you could say that we've been doing this for years, right? Even with books that we publish and historical yeah. papers and whatnot, but at least in those contexts, you were able to identify that there was a source, there was an expert that you trusted. Now the source is is ambiguous, right? So that gives it's, a lot it's more. It's from a bunch of different people, right? It's from a no, bunch of different, different people. It's like you know, that uncle that says, take my word for it, right? You know, <laughs> you run into this whole other space that it, it, it is ambiguous and it's a little scary. So there's a lot of kind of checks and balances that I think will need to be set on, well, what information is being trained to give you that response? And how can I look back and see those sources, right? In some way or another. You know, when you look at um, kind of back probably five months ago when web three was kind of the, the thing, right. You know, and I still believe there's something there for web three, but is this part of that? I mean, I think that neural networks, you know, they, they've been around now for a while and yeah, I think that it's next generation, next generation, as you kind of think about web three and all, all the promises that bring, you know, this obviously I think could be, part of part of that right yeah absolutely i mean you know web3 has a lot of a lot of kind of open promises right but chat mm. gpt could 
could certainly be a piece of that, right? And um, you know, if you if you think about like again, we've talked about some of the applications, but like how this could better even more complicated problems if it was applied right uh, in the in this space. Like if you even think about a search engine, right? You know, how should should Chat GPT respond the same depending on where you are? in a location? Should it respond the same depending on what language you're writing in? Um, I think that there's a lot more that we can dive into, into the context again of what is the right response for the right person at the right place and time. Yeah. This has been great. Did I miss anything? Should I ask a question that, uh, that you know, was burning that you wanted to answer? I, I guess my question is really like, you know, you've you've kind of just I've known about OpenAI for now over a year. Yeah, um, I've been playing around with it for a long time, uh, and so I'm thrilled that it's getting traction because I think that this is the kind of conversations that we need to start having. But yeah, in your opinion, as somebody who's you know fairly new to this, what have you been using it for? You know, you gave one example, but what else have you been trying out? Um, yeah, um, you know, I would say like I would put in a transcript but like here's how i did like I, you can't throw an entire transcript in there of it only will take a certain number of words a lot of it but not all of it right but so i throw like i was for work i was doing a a show and so i wanted to get a transcript not a transcript but a kind of a um you know a quick analysis of what did they say in the thing so i can push it out onto to like not a blog but a you know, uh, hey, here's the show. Here's what is it about, you know, within three, four bullets. Then it pu push it out. I had to go correct some words and kind of clean it up a little. But it, it, it will give you kind of a quick hit if you uh, ask it to. I mean, I was looking at themes and for work stuff. It's like, oh, my God, you know, this is awesome. I was looking at, I own a, a website and it's a running website that, you know, I need more content on. And, and I would throw out, hey, you know, uh, or, or I can throw out more content there, but also what I did was I went to optimize my website. So for example, I had all this content on there, but you know, I'm not the best writer. I'm not a terrible writer, but I was like, you know, please optimize this for the best SEO and then throw in my, uh, throw in my, uh, content there. And then it would give me this better, cleaner version of what I just said. Right. And then I pushed that out onto the website, you know, uh, so it did that, you know, and, and, and even titles, like, what would you call, you know, like I said something about, you know, uh, DFW running group, find your groups here or find, you know, find uh, uh, places to meet other people or whatever. And I was like, what else can you say about that? And it gives me like five, 10 new titles. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'd use that one. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. from a content standpoint, there's all, it's numerous. I mean, you could get it to write you a, an entire blog if you wanted, you know, and say, hey, is there additional things? You know, I mean, um, but you gotta see if it's right. You gotta clean it up. I like to do it like for me, the way I kind of use it is I already have the content, but I want it to spit out what I just said. Because I don't like if I wanted to write a blog about, you know, how to build an online community, for example, and then kind of put in some parameters and things like that, I could do that as well. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of things that uh that it can do and 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 i'm i get excited because then i started i think i told you it's like you know on our community there's unanswered questions on there and i thought well 
can answer this technical question. I put it in there and I'm not going to post it yet, but I'm going <laughs> to ask the expert to say, Hey, yeah, this is right or wrong. And, yeah. uh, you know, so if it's right, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I couldn't believe it. You know, like, it's just kind of crazy. Um, so that's some of the things I've been using it for. And, and it just, I have so many things that I like, like you're saying, you know, the the golden kind of ticket for like an online community uh for a support community kind of like ours is pushing that uh pushing the community inside the product so people can ask questions and get answers quickly what if we could do this with something like a chat gpt to where it can go into your documentation and just understand it all go to your community and wherever Reltio is and even kind of read everything about, you know, all things Reltio, whatever it is. And then boom, you know, you put in a question, get the answer, you know, and, or maybe it's bad code here. Here's the code that you should use and things like that. I mean, geez, dude, this is, this is game changing in a lot of ways. And yeah, I can see how people cheat and stuff, but you know what? I mean, we'll, we'll have to adapt and it's not, it's not good that they can do that, but it would, is good is we always adapt and we figure it out. Maybe you know some people think, "Hey, you're, we're just getting dumber as time moves on." As a matter of fact, <laughs> I don't think so. But anyways, that's I don't know. Does that help? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that you know, it, you're right. I mean, it, there's there's pros and cons to all of this, right? And I think that again, like it's almost too much to be able to figure out without until we start to see the impact, right? We kind of yeah. have to measure this carefully. Um, but I do think that the auditability of a model like this at the end of the day is just so critical, right? Because it should be like anything else, being able to trace back to actual sources. And if we mm -hmm. don't have that, you know, it just leaves companies that make these models open to their discretion, right? And I think that's a huge risk. So whether or not we use those sources or how we enforce kind of ruling around things like this, that's totally different. But at least having the ability to audit, you know, provides that one fundamental foothold that can get us back to what was actually written and created, right? And I yeah. think that that traceability and transparency is what we'll kind of step into when we see these um, these new types of models emerge. I think that we have to have something like that in the long run. I don't disagree. Michael, that's been good, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you on the next one. This is exciting. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Chris Detzel and Michael Burke. Thank All you. All right. Take care.